Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me 
and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Super excited to be joined by my guest, Travis Chapel, who is the CEO of Guestio, host of top-rated show, Build Your Network, and is an entrepreneur. Travis, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? Doing well, man. Doing pretty well. How are you? Good, brother. I'm, I'm super excited to have you on. Um, to create a little context here before we jump in and talk a little bit about your story and your history, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what's led you to where you are today? Yeah, man. So uh, just kind of quick 30,000 foot view. Uh, grew up in a uh, extremely religious household. I call it a bubble. They don't refer to it as a cult, uh, even though I think it has a lot of those tendencies. But uh, that's kind of how I grew up, very one-track minded. I ended up going to a ministerial college that happened to be on the same campus that I also went to kindergarten and high school and junior high, elementary, everything all the way through, um, and the same campus that also went to church. So quite literally the first you know 20 years of my life were lived on this 140-acre campus. And by the time I graduated college, I realized I didn't want to be in ministry. But I, you know, at that point, I had a degree in Bible and church ministries. And uh, to add uh, salt to the wound, it was an uh, unaccredited degree in Bible and church ministries, which uh, doesn't really, um, you know, th there's not people, there's not big companies laying out the red carpet for you when you're coming out of a, a college like that for you to go work. So I did the only thing I knew how to do at the time, which was door-to-door -door sales, and then uh, set a goal to make six figures doing that. Did that my first year. And at the end of the year, instead of being happy about it, I found myself just kind of wondering what I was going to do next because I realized I didn't want to do that for a long period of time. Dove into personal development, back against the wall, just trying to figure out what in, you know, what in the world I was going to tackle, what I was going to do, what I was going to do with not even in just the next couple of years, but you know, what am I going to do with my career, what am I going to do with my life? And uh, podcasting was one of those things that I turned and ended up becoming that I doing my I kept going down that direction and own show a few years ago, letting coaching and coursework, uh, teaching entrepreneurs how to build profitable podcasts, and then uh, also led to creating this software company that that I'm now the founder. Uh, called Guestio. So yeah, that's just kind of a quick synopsis bringing us up to this point. Yeah, man, you've, you've had quite the journey. You know, what I think is really fascinating is the impact that our, our past often has on us and, and the trajectory for our future. You know, growing up in that capacity, how much of your childhood experiences do you think have actually impacted or shaped, whether good or bad, who you are today? Uh, it's everything, man, I, both good and bad. 
in that sense. Um, you know, there's a lot, I think there's pros and cons to how everybody grew up, you know, everybody's got stories and, you know, there's certainly good things that came out of it and there's certainly bad things that came out of it. Um, I try to focus on the good things. And I think some of those things are reasons why I at least had some sort of a natural proclivity toward podcasting or content creation in general, uh, because I was speaking on stage when I was 12 years old and I was in front of people all the time doing preaching contests and reciting, you know, comedy sketches and doing just, just always in front of people, always learning how to be a better communicator. Um, I was forced to grow up really quickly. I was forced to mature really quickly. And that type of culture, they encourage you um, to get married extremely young uh, because there's no like in-between phase between like teenager and adulthood um, in that culture. It's just very much like you're done being a teenager. Now it's time to become an adult. So I was married at 21. I had a mortgage when I was 21 and I was paying my own bills. I had all, you know, everything was in my name. I, I was res a responsible adult, you know, and I had to grow up really, really fast because of that. And I think that, has some that by itself has cons, uh, but that by itself also has pros, you know what I mean? So, you know, that you just got to kind of take the good with the bad and, and focus on the good parts and the positives. And, you know, I'm certainly thankful now for a lot of the strong moral uh, uh, convictions that I was raised with. I'm certainly thankful for the value systems uh, that I'm able to put into place and for the uh, responsibility that I took from a young age to uh, continue building on things. So, you know, there's, like I said, you know, I've had to work through a lot of some of the negative things like bad mindsets and poor mindsets, um, money mindset. There, there's a lot of those types of things, you know, I, I, you know, certainly wish uh, that I would have been able to set myself up for an easier or at least more clear or direct path to a career rather than having to try to figure out what I want to do with my life when I was 23. I probably should have been thinking more about that when I was 15 and not just being forced into a, you know, as a square peg being forced into a round hole. So, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of those things that have impacted the way that I live my life now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the case scenario for, for all of us. And, you know, one of the things I'm really interested in here with, with your story and your journey is finding success, especially at a young age and looking at that, of, of course, this idea, you know, you had to go in the field, you had to pull weeds as a kid to get the things that you wanted in your life in a, a literal sense growing up in the environment that you did. And you asked Tom Billy this question that I'm really fascinated with that I actually want to ask you. And it, it was this, do you think that the potential of rising to your own potential is built within being in mediocrity? Do I think... Do I think the potential of reaching my own potential, you're saying? Yeah, it's built in mediocrity. I think the, the way that you had the conversation with him was very much in looking at and creating a measurement for is rock bottom like this moment in which you create massive change in your life? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, you know what? I've asked that question to a lot of people actually now that now that um, I'm understanding and under, understanding the, what the question was, I, 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 find so often that that happens to be the case, especially for people that have extreme success in, in some sort of capacity in their life. It's usually triggered by some sort of a rock bottom. And I find that people who are constantly in the middle, who are constantly mediocre, they don't have as much of that, as much of that chip on their shoulder or that kick in the pants to motivate them to go out there and go tackle something. And so my question is always, okay, well, if you find yourself in that situation, what can you do to motivate yourself to get 
to that point without hitting rock bottom. And, you know, I, I, I look back to in my past and I, I don't, I don't really look at any of the moments as rock bottom. And I think that a lot of times uh, that by itself can be the trap for some people is that they're waiting for this moment. That's probably never going to come or, or they're, or they're too scared uh, of rock bottom to take big risks and, and excel in life. Um, but, but to answer your question, man, I, I, I just, I have found that more often than not, there is a rock bottom associated with it, or at least some sort of a base level understanding of what it means to have nothing, uh, or to be in poverty or something. But, uh, I, I definitely don't think that I ever, you know, looking back hit rock bottom, especially with the stories and things that I've uncovered in my own podcast and journey. I wouldn't look back in my past and think a rock bottom moment, you know, it was pretty, pretty big bummer sometimes you know like when i was sitting there trying to figure out what i was going to do with my life at 23 and i had a mortgage to pay and i knew that I, my my degree was useless and i and i knew that my only skill set which was door-to-door -door, uh sales wasn't translating to the real sales world i couldn't get a job anywhere doing a doing sales for an actual organization nobody would hire me um i felt unhirable felt like a you know a failure and i know i was only 23 at the time but you know, I, I grew up really quickly and expected to be further along in a career at that point. And I wasn't. And that was a back against the wall moment for sure. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it was rock bottom. I just think that I just think that I had other motivations and I, I was able to look at enough people and, and figure out what I wanted out of life enough to dig in and find some real motivation to start climbing the mountain, I guess. Yeah. And I think that First off, it's incredible. And part of that might be your mindset already coming into this, like looking at this idea of failure, perhaps even not even labeling that in your own experience. Like I got to pay this mortgage. I can't get the career. I got the degree that's seemingly useless, even though I've done all this work. Okay. I'm not going to let that stop me. And what I hear in this is this idea of taking like radical acceptance and responsibility for your for life, sure. Right. Why, for sure. why does that actually matter, Travis? Because people hear this but they don't listen. Like, why does radical acceptance and responsibility actually matter? Dude, if, if you can't take responsibility for anything, then how do you, how do you improve? How do you change? How do you grow? How do you get better? If, if nothing's ever your fault and everything's out of your control, then I guess we should just keep blowing through life and hope that the universe does us right and puts good opportunities in front of us and you know, sets us up for success. And to me, that's just a really disempowering way of moving throughout life. If you, if nothing's up to you, then how do you make it better? You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and a lot of times what you see is people who love to take responsibility when things are going well, but hate taking responsibility when things are going poorly. And uh, I think also people get the, the notion that if they take responsibility, that means it's their fault. And that's not what it means. You know, it's like, well, people will come up with these crazy extenuating circumstances like, well, what about this crazy situation of abuse that happened to me when I was a kid? I was complete, like, I'm, am I responsible for that? And it's like, well, well, I mean, you're responsible for that going forward. Yes. But was that your fault? No, like you don't, you don't have to take fault for that. That was not your fault. But now you do have the responsibility to decide what are you going to do about it moving forward? Meaning that, you know, if you look back to my story in particular, you know, was it my fault that I was, you know, pushed into this career path and into a college that provided me with a useless degree upon leaving that I would never be able to use in real life? And I had to figure out my career after, you know, being in a position where I was married and had a mortgage to pay. Like, 
Like, is that my fault that I was in that situation? Probably not. You might be able to argue that I was because I was an adult when I made those decisions. But I mean, literally my entire life, my brain was programmed to think a certain way. And that's the, the actions that I took were based on the thoughts and behaviors and mindset that I was taught growing up. But regardless of whose fault it was at that point in time, it was 100% my responsibility to figure out what I was going to do about it. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is to sit there, whine and complain about the fact that, uh, that uh, you know, poor me because I grew up this way in this weird culture that nobody really understands or gets or, under, or, 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 or can empathize with. And uh, so now, you know, I'm not set up for life like my friend that I met last week who was raised in this other household of, in a different part of the country and got into this Ivy League school and became a lawyer and has a great, uh, you know, career on Wall Street. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't set up for that. So may as well just sit here and feel sorry for myself. Like, I just don't understand what the alternative to taking responsibility is. Like what, where do you think that's going to land you? It's only going to land you in a worse situation where you're feeling even worse for yourself. And, uh, and then, you know, you end up not doing anything in life. And then you end up being that, you know, old person full of regret, full of remorse and sitting there still blaming all of the other things and people and circumstances and events and everything that happened in your life um, for your lack of success and your lack of happiness and your lack of fulfillment. And to me, like it, it doesn't matter what situation you're born into. You can sit there and wish all day that you were born into a different situation or that you had different opportunities or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that has to wake up in the morning and look yourself in the mirror and be you. So you better figure it out and start thinking about the solution to the problem and not just continuing to stew on the problem because it just doesn't do anything. Just doesn't do anything. Doesn't help anybody. Yeah, it's powerful. And, you know, I, I'm, I raised my hand first as being guilty of playing the victim role, finding myself at this complete, utter rock bottom, blaming the world, blaming homelessness as a child, the circumstance I've been through, you know, all of the world because it's your fault, your fault, your fault. And then I started taking responsibility. And the truth of it is like, we're not culpable for the things that happen to us as we're in developmental or, and even sometimes in life, you know what I mean? But there's that point where you do have to say, I'm going to be the hero of my own story. Cause guess what? There's no Disney moment. Nobody's coming to save you. Your life isn't magically going to be different. Right. And a, a, if I had a magic pill, dude, that's what it would be because that's the key right there. What you just said, like, you've got to take responsibility. I was listening to you having a conversation about listening to Guy Raz and talking about this idea of dealing with and handling rejection. I have a theory that one of the reasons that people have such a difficult time with taking responsibility is this idea of rejection and embarrassment. And I know that in your own personal journey, like building businesses, trying things, knocking on doors as someone who used to sell Cutco, I know that you have probably dealt with a litany of rejection and potential embarrassment. How do you deal with that in your life to catapult yourself forward? That's a good question, man. Um, I, I, so much of, so much of, I think success in business and sales and making money in general has to do with your ability to, uh, get rejected and then move on and try it again and continue to persist. And so the, the biggest, the, the, the in a short period of time, the best way that I can help anybody listening to this handle rejection a little bit better is that the uh, rejection, the, the pain of rejection is really just a symptom of a greater problem. If you're getting rejected and it hurts you to the point where you're like 
quitting things or you're almost quitting things or you're constantly thinking about quitting things because the rejection hurts too bad. That's just the symptom of the greater problem. And the greater problem is your lack of self-confidence. Self-confidence is the root of the rejection problem. And so it's your responsibility to, uh, to realize that this is why this rejection is hurting me because my confidence level is just too low to be able to, to, re to recoup from. So I look at it kind of like a bank account. Every time you get rejected, it's like a withdrawal from your bank account. It's, a, it's something debited from your account. But you can make deposits into that account just like you can make uh, uh, withdrawals from that account. And so a few ways to do that is to start depositing more into your self-confidence. So listening to a podcast like you're listening to right now uh, can help increase your self-confidence because you're learning something. You're, you're increasing your knowledge. The more knowledge you gain in an industry or a field that you're not familiar with, the more confident you'll be in your ability to navigate that field or that industry. So gaining knowledge, learning, getting new information, reading a book, listening to a podcast, that's going to be a deposit in your self-confidence bank. Um, there's uh, the consistency that's going to be uh, a deposit in your self-confidence bank. Yeah, I've done this a bunch of times, you know, and I'm still alive. I, I didn't get hurt. Like thinking about the worst case scenario a lot helps me deposit into my self-confidence bank. Like what's the absolute worst case scenario? Even when I was knocking on doors, the absolute worst case scenario is I knock on the store and they tell me to get the their porch. Like, is that really that big of a deal? No, because the next guy probably isn't going to be that mean. The odds of that happening twice in a row are pretty low. So now I'm going to just go to the next house and see, you know, what it is like just imagining the worst case scenario to me and then like putting myself in that scenario and then understanding that, you know what, I think I'm going to be okay if that happens. You know, if this person says no, that's the worst case scenario. They said no. Okay. Who cares? Move on to the next person. Somebody's going to say yes. You know what I mean? So uh, think about the worst case scenario as a, as a deposit, but hands down, the best way to deposit into your self-confidence account is to keep the promises that you make to yourself. And this is why I think people have a huge problem with rejection and with confidence in general is that they don't even like themselves. If you don't like yourself because you don't trust yourself, then how can you convince other people to like you and trust you? And that's the crux. That, that's the crux of all business. That's where business happens is when people know, like, or trust you or know, like, and trust you. So if you don't even like yourself, if you don't even trust yourself because you subconsciously know that you keep breaking promises to yourself over and over again, uh, then you're going, to, you're going to portray or display that energy to other people and they're going to pick up on that. Like something's not trustworthy about this guy. Something's not trustworthy about this girl because you don't even trust yourself because you said that you were going to, you know, name it, right? You said you were going to read a book this month and you, and you got to the first chapter and you never did anything else. And then you gave up on it. You were going to wake up at, six o'clock for the next week and then you didn't do it on day two or you said that you were going to you know go to the gym whatever it is fill in the blank even if it's the smallest possible thing if you didn't keep that promise that you made to yourself because you're over committing all the time to these all these promises and all these commitments and all these goals that you're setting because you hear these are good things to do but you never follow through on any of them you are consistently telling yourself that you are not trustworthy and that's why you don't like yourself. That's why you don't trust yourself. And that's why you don't have any self-confidence. And that's why it hurts so bad when other people reject you. Because every time someone rejects you, it's just a validation of your subconscious thoughts about your own self, which is I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of somebody's trust. Because if you don't even do, believe those things about yourself, somebody else like confirms that 
that's when that's big pain. Like that's a big withdrawal from that self-confidence account. All you can do is try to mitigate those withdrawals. It's always going to hurt to be rejected. But if you Man, can that's... build in your self-confidence and you can build on promises that you make to yourself, that's why like I don't make a lot of promises to myself. I used to do that. I, I used to be that guy that would be like, because uh, it sounds awesome. You know, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And then like you're six days into it and you forgot half the things because you have a list of 38 things to do. Like I started making fewer commitments and then I kept every single one of them. And then that starts to build on itself over time. You start to create habits and those habits start, start to stack. And then when you look back over the course of time, you know, like uh, I, I was always somebody that, was, that, that went to bed late. I, was, I, I never read anything. I, don't, I, I, was, I was always the person that skipped out on the reading, you know, project in school and then wrote to a synopsis based on the back cover. You know, I, I hated reading. I hated getting up early. I was always late to school, all that stuff. Today, I was up at 4 a.m. I was at the gym at 5 a.m. I, uh, I'm on a detox right now. So I've only taken shake. It's, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, my time. I've only taken shakes today and had a couple cups of coffee. Um, and, and I read like 15 pages of the book that I'm going through right now. This is my fifth podcast interview today. Like that didn't just happen overnight. It was a result of a bunch of micro commitments that I kept keeping those promises that I made to myself. And over time, that confidence starts to build and you start going like, Hey, last month when I said that I was going to not watch TV for the next seven days. I did it. So now that I'm not watching TV, what can I do with that time? Oh, I'm going to start reading. Okay. Let me just read five pages a day. That's it. Five pages a day for a week. Oh, I kept that promise to myself. You start to believe that you can do whatever you put your mind to because you're seeing physical evidence of that progress in front of you on a daily basis. And when you start to know yourself and like yourself and trust yourself, because you're actually keeping all the promises that you make to yourself, then people start to pick up on that energy as well. And that's how that confidence gets portrayed. And that's, the, to me, a big difference between people who are really, really good at sales and people who think they're really good at sales, but aren't really that great at sales, um, is the fact that those people who are really, really good, they're extremely confident because they have a, a fantastic, impeccable relationship with themselves and other people really pick up on that. It's that subconscious stuff that you can't really portray in a conversation, but people get that sense from you because you've put in the work to be able to deserve the results that you're asking the universe for. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, you got you got to keep the promises that you make to yourself or, or you know, you're always going to portray yourself as that person, other people. It's crazy to me that people will like people hold other relationships to a higher standard than they hold their relationship to themselves. If that makes sense. I was, I was giving this talk the other day and a guy in the audience comes to me and go, man, I never really thought about it that way. Um, but I, I definitely do that. Like if I, if I commit to somebody in my life, if I make a promise to somebody in my life, I keep it a hundred percent of the time. I, I do not break my promises, but I always break my promises to myself. And it's like, why do we do this? Why, why do we allow ourselves to, to introduce this negative self-talk? You know what I mean? The, the, where, where you sit there when you're in one of those bad moods and you're just like, oh, you're such a piece. Of and you start talking all this crap about yourself to yourself. And it's like, man, if any single one of my friends talked to me the way that I'm thinking about myself right now, I would be like, uh, yeah, I go f yourself. We're not friends anymore. You know what I mean? Like, but so, for some reason, we allow ourselves to treat ourselves like sometimes. And then, and then we wonder why nobody likes us and nobody trusts us. It's like, you don't, even, you don't even like yourself, man. Like, how do you expect all these other people to pick up on the good qualities in you when you don't even see them? And because you don't believe that they're there because you're not even trustworthy to you. How are you going to, 
make how are you going to keep a commitment to somebody else if you can't even keep that commitment you know to, to yourself so i know that was a long kind of long-winded answer but um i love it man I love it because look, you're, you're speaking my language and I know that the unbroken nation listening right now, they've heard me say this before, you know, what you think becomes what you speak, what you speak, become your actions and your action become your reality. And it all starts with the way that you talk to yourself. I, the first thing I teach my clients is to take out a pen and a piece of paper and write down, I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. And then to leverage that, tell you believe it because at the beginning you don't. And it takes work and effort and you build this thing called momentum, right? These micro wins, these small adjustments you make every single day that create a trajectory in which you go and look at your life in seven years, not tomorrow. And you go, oh, awesome. I've been able to build this thing. So, you know, long-winded or not, man, I think you're spot on. And I, I love that. One of the things I think that interrupts people in this as they start to head into it is the fact that they're going to fail. You said something that really struck with me and I wrote it down and I remember it coming back to me again and again and again. And you said that you believe that people have to fail to reach the next success. What does that mean? You have to be willing, you have to be willing to risk a lot in order to be able to reach the next level of success. If you've never done something, how do you expect to be immediately successful at it when you're trying it out for the first time? Like It doesn't even make sense, but people all the time prevent themselves from getting to the next level of success in life because they're looking at it as they're looking at it in a completely wrong light. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you have to be able to come to terms with the fact that like, look, if I'm trying this new thing, you know, just because we're talking about podcast here, let's use that as an example. I'm, I'm going to start this podcast. And, and then they start a podcast and then six months later, it didn't take off and didn't have 10 million downloads. Imagine that. And it's like, oh, well, I tried it and it didn't work. So they just keep staying at the level that they're currently at. They never level up because every time you try to level up, like failure is going to happen because you're doing something you've never done before. You can't expect us to pick up on something and be successful at it immediately. That's called being a genius or savant. Uh, which there are very few of in this world. And odds are you're not one of them and neither am I. Uh, but the cool thing about it is that if you adopt that growth mindset that you can learn and grow into any role that you want to learn and grow into, uh, then, then you can become that if you're willing to take the failure, if you're willing to take the L. And most people aren't, man. If, 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 there, was, if there was a lack of a, this fear of embarrassment uh, from failing, that, that's what gets me even worse than the failing part. Like fearing failure is one thing, but most people fear failure because it's really a fear of embarrassment. They're fearing the fact that other people will see them fail. If you could, like, if you're sitting there listening and, and, and you could guarantee that if you took this big risk that you're thinking about taking, and if you failed at that, nobody would find out about it. I guarantee a large percentage of you would take that opportunity. To go ahead and try the thing that you're thinking about trying. Go ahead and risk the thing that you're thinking about risking, but nobody would ever find out about it. And you're just like, ah, oh, man, like I would do it that in that in like in that sense. But it's the fact that you don't really. It's not even fearing of the failure itself. It's like it's fearing what other people are going to think about the fact that you failed, and you're letting that prevent you from ultimately reaching some level of success. And uh, and that's just not the way I want to live my life, man. It's too short term thinking. You know, you got to think about like, well, what is 10 years from now, Travis, going to be um, thanking me for? 
And what actions can I take now to, you know, to, to get to that point in my life where, where 39 year old Travis is looking back at me going like, man, I'm really glad that you took those risks. I'm really glad that you like that you took that L for us because there's no way we'd be where we are now. If, if you didn't do that, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to be willing to fail to reach that next level because by definition, you're doing something that you've never done before. You can't expect to be immediately successful at something you've never done before. It's, it's, it's madness. It doesn't even make any sense, but people do it all the time. Yeah. I, I mean, you're spot on. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the difference between success and failure in life is action. And on that pathway, you're going to fail. And you can use it as a data or you can use it as something that stops you dead in your tracks. Travis, my friend, this has been an amazing conversation. Before I ask you my last question, can you tell everybody where they can find and connect with you? Yeah. And real quick too, just to kind of use an illustration to bring that last point home, um, if that's okay. Absolutely. I, I try to look at it as like in baseball, how many at-bats do you get, right? You, you, everybody wants to look at the, the one person in their life that they know that tried one thing one time and they were immediately successful at it. They look at the one example of a founder that started a, their very first company and exited for a billion dollars. And it's like, well, and, and then they, they compare their lives to that. And like, that's why I like to liken it to the at bats thing, because like, can you get lucky and step up to the plate and hit the first one out of the park? Sure. Is it likely to happen? No, it is absolutely not likely to happen. In fact, the majority, the vast majority of people, it will not happen to. So if you want to guarantee that you're going to be successful and eventually hit one out of the park, you're going to have to step up to bat again after you strike out the first time. And then after that, you're going to have to step up the bat again. And then you have to step up the bat again. And then you have to step up the bat again. Like the more swings you take though, what starts to happen over time? You get better at it. You start figuring out that like, oh, if I stand this way or if I swing this way or if I keep my eye uh, at, 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 um, on, you know, the, on, on the pitcher, the way he's throwing the ball, like then I can, I can, I can tweak and I, and I can put my, you know, my weight behind the bat here and then I can crank it this way. Like you start to figure things out and you learn throughout the process. Every time you're striking out, you're striking out, but you're learning something new every time. So when you step up to at bat number 38 or at bat number 72, you know, your odds of hitting that home run significantly go up. And that's the problem is that people give up. Like they, 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 they take five or 10 swings and then they're like, all right, I'm done. I tried it. And it's just like, well, you didn't want the end result bad enough. You didn't want to hit it out of the park bad enough or else you'd still be stepping up and, 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 and having more of those at bats. Cause it's only a matter of time. If you keep swinging, you keep learning, you keep putting in the work, you know, uh, you're going to be able to, to hit it out of the park eventually. So. Uh, I appreciate you for, for, for having me on the show, man. Thanks for doing some research and, and some preparation for this. Always makes for a better conversation. You guys can find me over at TravisChapel.com. Uh, we're in the middle of redoing the site. So depending on when you go give us a visit, you might be seeing a little bit of outdated information, but all of my social links are up to date. My email's up to date. So if you want to contact me, TravisChapel.com is a great place to find everywhere that I'm hanging out at. Brilliant. Thank you, my friend. And my last question for you today is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? What does it mean to me to be unbroken? Um, I think that it's, uh, I think that it comes directly back to the confidence conversation that we had uh, because you're the only person that can look at yourself as being broken or unbroken. And if you allow yourself to go there mentally because you don't view yourself as being worthy, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to identify as someone that is broken. 
but if you can build up that self-confidence muscle, if you can continue to keep those promises that you're making to yourself and add to your self-worth, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It literally doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It only matters what you think. So um, put some put some time, effort, energy, money, investment, whatever you can into building up that self-confidence and it'll always come back. I love it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, leave a review, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.